So what keeps you up at night? What sort of things keep you from falling asleep? Usually when, uh, when we have trouble sleeping, it's not because we're reminiscing on our greatest hits from the last 24 hours. It usually has a lot more to do with remembering our regrets, things that we wish we had done or hadn't done. It usually has a lot more to do with our worries than with uh, the things that we're satisfied and content with. Uh, maybe you're staying up and can't fall asleep because of something that you said at work and you really wish that you could take it back. Or maybe you're staying up because somebody else said something rude to you and you're only now just coming up with the perfect comeback that would have like, you know, stuck it back to them. And you're like, shoot, if I had only said this and you replay that scene over and over again, like, ah, if I would have responded that way, that would have showed them or that would have been a way for me to stick up for myself. Usually it's the negative things that keep us up at night. It's the negative things that keep us from falling asleep, our worries, our fears. Maybe this has to do with family. Maybe you have a son or a daughter who's moved out of the house and they're not, they're not following a path that you think is very good for them, but there's not much you can do about it anymore. They're beyond your reach. You are no longer able to protect them and guide them as you used to when they were a kid. Or maybe it's a parent or a grandparent with a precarious health situation. These things worry us. They keep us from falling asleep. And then if you pile on top of that, all of the other things going on in our world, all of the other messages that we're getting bombarded with, it's, it's a wonder that any of us are able to sleep. And it's not a surprise at all that over 60 million Americans suffer from insomnia. 60 million people are very familiar with having trouble sleeping. I think our psalmist today uh, was also very familiar with these things that keep us up at night. Psalm 4 is written as an evening hymn, meant to be read before going to sleep, followed by Psalm 5, which serves as a morning hymn, to be read the next day. There's kind of this cool parallel going on there. Uh, but David, when he wrote Psalm 4, had a lot of experience with these sort of sleepless nights. And if you look at his life, you can tell why. I mean, this is a, this is a guy who was crowned and anointed the new king of Israel, while the old king of Israel was still around with a big army behind him. And that went just about as well as you would think it would go. <laughs> Usually, uh, people who are in power don't like to concede and give up power when the next leader has been chosen. It's, a, it's, a, it's an age-old problem. And uh, so this meant David had to run around with a big target on his back uh, because Saul, the former king, did not take, uh, take this news of a new leader too well. You can imagine it would be hard to sleep knowing that somebody is out hunting for you. I mean, this is a big external problem, but David was also very familiar with personal, internal problems that also keep us up at night. I mean, he, he later on in his life had this predatory affair with a woman, ended up fathering a child with her, having her husband murdered, having this entire affair exposed, then losing the child a week later after he was born. I mean, can you imagine the grief the guilt, the regret that that would bring up, how hard it would be to sleep with all of those things going on in your life. 
So how does David, the guy who's had all of these things happening, <laughs> go from uh, these sleepless nights to writing this quasi lullaby that we read in Psalm 4? Well, I think a lot of uh, David's experience makes him the perfect teacher for this sort of thing. He was able to find peace and sleep even after all of those things going on in his life. So how, how was he able to do that? Well, I, I think if we, if we think about the person that we'd want as our teacher, we see that David is the perfect teacher to, to help us find peace amidst the trouble and turmoil in our lives. I mean, think about it. Imagine if you suffered the symptoms of depression and you wanted someone to help you with that. Would you want somebody who's never experienced it, but is a happy, uh, go-lucky cheerleader to say, look on the bright side. Like, is, is that going to help you with these depressive symptoms? Or would you want somebody who's gone through it themselves? Would you rather have somebody who has been in the pits of depression, who's been wrestling with feelings of dullness and meaninglessness, and has been able to find a way through that into a place of peace and joy? That's the kind of person you would want to help you with this problem going on inside of you. I think Mr. Rogers is a, is a really cool example of this. Uh, a while back, uh, Genevieve and I watched the, the documentary on his life and realized that Mr. Rogers struggled with a severe inner critic, this inner voice where he felt like he wasn't doing enough, he wasn't good enough, and, and lived with this voice for a long time. And by living with this and learning how to love himself, that made him the perfect person to make other people feel loved and accepted. I mean, he knew what it was like to feel like he wasn't good enough, which made him the perfect person to talk to kids all over the world and let them know that they are loved exactly as they are, that they are special and unique exactly as they are. He's the perfect person to help people feel that way because he knows what it's like to feel the opposite, and he's been through it. So when we look at Psalm 4, when we look at our problems, the things that keep us up at night, we can look at David's life and, and listen to what he has to say, because he's been there. He knows what those sleepless nights are like. He knows what it's like to feel restless. I mean, maybe we feel stressed out about work. I mean, <laughs> look at what his work life was like. He had people trying to kill him in his job. I don't think many of us experience that at our, at our jobs. I don't know what kind of work you do, but... Or think about family stress, things that keep us up at night. I mean, he lost a child. He, he had another child try to incite a coup and, and overthrow him <laughs> as king. I mean, that's some serious family drama right there. I think a little bit more than what most of us experience. And he was able to find peace in that. This, this makes him the kind of teacher that we might be able to learn something from. So let's take a look at Psalm 4. What what does David suggest for us in his uh, patented bedtime routine? He tells us, when you are on your beds, search your heart and be silent. Search your heart and be silent. He recommends not mulling over our regrets, playing these negative scenes again and again and again, but going deeper. Search your hearts and be silent. Underneath every single worry that we have, there's a need that we're afraid won't be met. 
Underneath every single frustration and resentment that we hold on to, there is a perceived injustice that we feel needs to be righted. When we lay up at night worrying about our family, it's because we have this need to know that our family is going to be okay. And that is a perfectly fine need to have. How can we sleep if we don't know that that need is going to be met? Or say uh, you stay up at night thinking about all of the many, many problems in the world. We have a need for security to know that when we wake up, the world is still gonna be okay. That's a perfectly fine need. And if we're not sure that that need is going to be met, yeah, it is gonna cause us some trouble sleeping. So what do we do with these things? What do we do when we realize that, that when we search our hearts, we uncover these needs and we realize that there's a fear that it won't be met? Well, we can follow step two of what David shows us. He nudges us in the direction and says, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. When we can't sleep because we're not sure that our needs are going to be met, he recommends that we offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. So what does that mean? Offer the sacrifices of the righteous. Is this some religious ritual where we need to pay a price in order to receive comfort and peace from God? No, uh, <laughs> he, he actually gives us uh, a very good and clear image of what the kinds of sacrifices are that God asks from us. He says so in Psalm 51, to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. This is the sacrifice that we offer to God. This is the sacrifice that God asks of us. And that's the paradox of the Bible, uh, is that we give our brokenness to God and he gives us wholeness. We give our fears to God and he gives us peace. We give our anger to God and he gives us gentleness. Uh, the Bible completely flips the script on what we think uh, makes sense. We give our brokenness, we get wholeness. That Jesus says the first will be last, the last will be first. All of these things get completely turned upside down. And so we, we give our broken spirit, our hopelessness to God. And in return, God gives us something we could never earn for ourselves. He gives us grace. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. We exchange our worries for peace. And I think the, the ultimate example of this we find in Jesus' words from Matthew 11 where he writes to all of those who are having trouble sleeping at night, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls to us and he invites us to swap yokes with him our yoke, this, this heavy burden that we've been carrying, full of our regrets, full of our anxiety, our fears, our guilt. He says, here, let, let me take that yoke and let me give you my yoke, which, which isn't even a burden at all. It's a gift. 
this yoke of, of joy, of mercy, this yoke of love and grace. Here, you, you take this and put this on your shoulders. And in exchange, Jesus takes our yoke, our burden of guilt, anxiety, fear, regret, and he takes it with him to the cross. And he pins it there with his life, leaving it there. The exchange has been done. When we read about offering the righteous sacrifice to God in, in Psalm 4, Jesus is our righteous sacrifice. And so now what does it mean to do the second half of what David says, trust in the Lord? What does it mean to trust in God? It means that if you believe Jesus' death on the cross actually does cover all of your regrets, all of your guilt, all of your shame, it means that you can rest knowing that your sins have been paid, knowing that your mistakes have been fixed or will be mended. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? It means that if you believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead, it means that you can have peace knowing that death is not the end, knowing that there's, there's no longer this finality and the pressure that comes from that, but that there's hope for something after. You can find rest in that. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? It means that if you believe God really loves you like a parent loves a child, then you can rest knowing that you don't need to hold on to all of the things that you feel you need to hold together, but you can actually be held instead by God. Instead of feeling like we need to hold the world together, we can be held and we can sleep like that. Have you ever held a baby and then they fall asleep in your arms? I don't, there, I don't think there are many feelings that are much better than that. That's what God invites us to be. That's how God invites us to find rest so that we can lie down and sleep knowing that we are held in the arms of our loving father who will protect us and care for us. Let's go to God in prayer. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for the peace that we can find in you. Help us, Lord, to surrender these worries. Help us to accept our weakness and brokenness and exchange it to you for the wholeness and, and security and the hope that you offer us. Help us to experience that as we lie in bed at night struggling to fall asleep, let us remember that you are the one who holds us. Help us to become like a child who is held by their parent, who loves them deeply and can rock them to sleep. In your name we pray. Amen.